1: Hey Mark, Mm. I've been saying for years that Ping help you play your best because that is exactly what they've done for me throughout my entire career. And now I've been having a look at the new Blueprint S and T irons and boy, they are impressive. So much so that I've got the new Blueprint S irons in my bag at the moment. So what do you like about them so much? I mean, I've never seen you this excited about a golf club. Well, I could go through the specs which are exceptional, but I won't. I will say though that if you're looking for more ball speed and if you want to lower your scores, if you want to mix and match and still look great, you should check them out because the new Blueprint S and T irons, they are definitely worth a look. Nice. Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting.
0: It's week 11 of the golfing calendar. And today on Talk Birdie to Me... Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen aren't at Australian Golf Headquarters. They're doing the show on location, different locations. Well, this could go pear-shaped, but we're going to find out. Welcome to Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen.
2: So just push that little button and let's get going. It's as simple as that. Well, this is a bit of an experiment for Talk Birdie to me. Uh, I'm overlooking the fourth hole at the magnificent, mighty Box Hill Golf Club. And Nick O'Hearn's up at Cathedral. G'day, Nick.
1: No, hey, g'day, Mark. I'm about ten minutes from the Cathedral, so uh, played a bit of a golf this afternoon. Unfortunately, double bogeyed the last, oh, so no. I wasn't very happy about that. But you know, but this, uh, but the 19th hole is going down well right now. A little glass of Chardonnay, perfect.
2: Are they ever going to cut down those trees on the 18th hole at Cathedral in the middle of the fairway? Is that ever going to happen?
1: Yeah, that's gone. No, the, the the willow tree's gone. Oh wow, when did that happen? No, there was only one. It, it got it. It got struck by lightning, I don't know, about a year ago or so, and a lot of the members were thankful and some were, uh, were not so much, so there's still debate about whether it was good or bad.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, there are some trees get removed from storm damage, uh, hopefully that was one of them. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> matter. What did you think of the Players' Championship?
1: Oh, it was quite a quite an event, wasn't it? Scotty Scheffler, what a masterclass he put on in the final round. I mean, obviously we wanted the Aussie victory, Minwoo Lee playing in the final group, that would have been fantastic, but uh just wasn't to be for him. He's got off to a good start. He birdied the first. And mm-hmm. then I think with a Sheffler bogey on three, all of a sudden we're all tied up and uh, you know, it was game on. But unfortunately, the fourth hole was the turning point for, for Min Wu where he made a, a pretty bad triple bogey if there is a, if ever a bad triple. But uh, you know, with only wedge in hitting it in the water and uh and, and letting three shots go there, it was basically pretty much the end of it, unfortunately, from then on, because Scheffler just had total control over his game for the whole afternoon, and five birdies in a row from the eighth hole onwards was was really the difference, obviously. And and then he just put it on cruise Mm. control. The only the only tight spot I sort sort of thought he was in was on seventeen, with the wind swirling around. You had uh, the group in front. You know they were all standing on the sixteenth green, watching. Uh, who was it? Tommy Fleetwood, I think. Yeah, and, and Cam, Cam Davis. Davis in the yeah. group in front. Both hit it in the water. Cam knocked it over the back in the water. Yeah, and and Fleetwood uh, was short in the water. So if you're watching that, you're thinking, my goodness, this is going to be so tricky. But uh, Minwoo was up first because he birdied sixteen. And he had a really good gap wedge, middle of the green, exactly what Scheffler needed to see. And then he put the put probably his best swing in on the day. And um, even if he'd have knocked it in the water there, it wouldn't have been too much of an issue. He had like a four or a five shot Lee at that point. But um, moved back to number one in the world, obviously. It's been between him and Rahm of late. And and uh, he put on a masterclass that back nine and and the whole day really and deserved players championship. What, what were your thoughts about the whole day, Mark?
2: Well, look, I loved it. I thought Sheffler just, there's nothing. Every, every, he had a day where everything went right. I mean, the chip in, to get the five birdies in a row started w- was enormous. To Minwoo Lee finally making birdie on 16, and he could get a look at what that hole was like, because I, I noticed that too, exactly what he said there. They would have been watching Fleetwood and uh, Cam Davis, both in the water. And I reckon there must have been a mental fist pump when Minwoo Lee's birdie putt went in from 10 feet. Mm. Because that man, he got a look. <laughs> he absolutely got a yeah. look at what the wind... Could, and and you, you know, I mean, you, you've been at this level, Nick, for a long, long time you played at that level. Yeah. You can tell a lot, can't you? You, you? you can tell from the sound of the ball, of of the strike. You can tell by the flight. You can tell just by standing there on the tee and and the wind coming up. And you go, oh, he got, he got screwed there. You know, the wind came up and that's why he's ended up short. So... Yep. When Minwoo birdied sixteen, I I just knew everything was going to fall into place for him, and and it did. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, it really was just incredible. I don't know
1: if you saw a graphic, you know, on the uh, earlier in the week of the of the way the the wind swirled around seventeen. You know, they they showed something where down below where the water was, the wind was going this way, and then they showed a graphic of it higher up in the air, and all of a sudden it's swirling around and going in different directions. I mean, if you were a player, you would not want to see that graphic because it just would have given you <laughs> nightmares all week about which way the wind's going. And basically, I think Min Wu Lee was there, you know, on that tee. And, and this is – I know you don't like this, Mark, but when they – Toss, you know, grass in the air yeah. at ground level trying to figure out which way the wind's going. I mean, when the ball is 100 feet in the air, it has nothing to do with, oh, what, with what's on ground level, obviously. So I know you hate that, don't you?
2: I've got a question for you. I do kind of hate it, but I've, I've got a question for you. Um, you know, all the things that you, you spoke about, that graph that we all saw on the TV. With the big TV screens that are everywhere on the PGA Tour, Do you ever get to see some of the broadcasts and and, and as a player, do you see any of those stats? Because, you know, what we see at home, I often think to myself, God, if the players actually saw that or, you know, you could really take advantage of some of those things. Are those things shown to you you when you're actually playing?
1: You actually can see those things. I mean, they have the screens all over the golf course as you know but generally when someone's playing they will turn them off but between shots you can see all the all the data and all the uh, statistics coming on of how many balls are in the water and and someone's hitting a shot here or there but yeah no it's it is there for the players to see if they did want to i mean it's probably similar in baseball stadiums and basketball you know they can watch the replays and things like that i guess but um there are certain things you want to see and and some that that, that obviously you don't. But, uh, you know, going back to Sheffler, what a, what an incredible run he's had. I mean, six wins out of his last 27 starts, I yep. think. I mean, he started his run last year in Phoenix. Yeah, last year in Phoenix he won and he, and he, you know, won four of six events, including a Masters. And then this year again, he won Phoenix again. So the signs are there for another big run. But it's been basically between him and Rahm as to the number one spot in the world. And then you've got, in a way, a, a bit like tennis. You know, in tennis you have Federer – Nadal and Djokovic. Well, in golf, we're seeing that uh, mm. with, um, you know, Scheffler, Rahm and Rory at the moment. And Rory probably needs to get his butt in gear to uh, to really try and challenge these two guys. And, and with the events coming up uh, with the Masters, the match play, things like that, it's going to be so much yeah. fun watching these guys play
2: couple of records that are noteworthy as well. Uh, Sheffler became, I think, only the third player to shoot in the 60s all four rounds at the Players' Championship and win the tournament. Uh, and also, he becomes the third player, uh, just paired with Tiger and Jack Nicholas to hold both trophies, uh, the Masters uh, and the Players' Championship at the same time. So when I, when I watch him play, Nick, and... You know, I'm doing my masterclass. It's my turn this week. I'm doing on what I love about his golf swing, and so hang around for that. But yeah. um, when I watch his golf swing, we've spoken about this before. He looked like a Kingston Heath putter player to me. He started to look a little bit better because we're starting to get used to that <laughs> golf swing of his, though. But I just can't see him not winning a major this year. That that's where I'm at. Mm. I think he's he's as likely to win a major as anyone I've ever seen since Tiger Woods. I mean, you'd see Tiger Woods play early in the year and you go, well, he's got to win one. It's an absolute guarantee. Mm. No other player has done that for me. You know, even John Rahm, when when he's just mashing it all over the place and just destroying fields, I just feel like Scheffler is a Monty, an absolute mortal lock to win one of the majors
1: this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and really, I think I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and state that the big three I just mentioned of Scheffler, Rahm, and Rory, I, I think they're going to they're going to share the four majors. Someone one of them is going to win two, and then the other two guys mm. are going to win one each. That's that's my call on that side of things. And um, you know, his you talk about his golf swing, and if you look, they did a a close up of his footwork. And if you watch that back foot, it slides a good foot, <laughs> foot and a half on the follow through. It is amazing, but it's almost a bit old school if you watch, you know, Norman back in the day yeah. or, or Mark Kalkovecchia, those style of players. It was a bit of the norm, and in the modern era now. It's, it's very rare. And in a way, I think it's a great thing for golf because it just shows that it doesn't matter how your feet and everything are moving mm-hmm. as long as it's moving in the right direction. And And he's the prime example of it. It's just so much fun to watch.
2: Well, he's, uh, he's coach Randy Smith, who I met a long, long time ago um, at uh, in Dallas, there somewhere, Royal Oaks or something, I think the golf course is called, uh, where he's been teaching there. Um, I met him there, and he becomes now kind of a, a mythical figure himself. You know, it's amazing. you got Harvey Pennick. You've got... Uh, Randy Smith, there's there's quite a few legendary coaches that have been made on the back of player success. Butch Harmon, of course. Uh, I mean, it, to me, he's just had the the best record of everybody. Who, who are the legendary coaches that you know you'd you'd see uh, on your PGA Tour travels?
1: Oh, in the US, I mean, Sean Foley was around quite a lot because he had uh, Hunter Mahan and Justin Rose and Tiger Woods for a period. Obviously, mm. Hank Haney. I mean, whoever Tiger was with at the time obviously Butch Harmon to start his career and then through the middle part it was Hank Haney then Sean Foley and and then he's been doing it a lot himself of of late obviously but um, yeah those sorts of style players but I think on a local front I mean I tell you what Grant Field he's really got a lot of players under his wing obviously Cam Smith's his big guy but Louis Dobler who just won in New Zealand as well he's another one that's coming through and uh, but Grant has a lot of good players obviously here in Australia as well but Just uh, going back to Sawgrass, I wanted to sort of ask you a couple of things. What do you think about that 17th hole, you know, the par three?
2: It's the best thing in golf this time of year. I I absolutely, (laughs) I I cannot love it anymore. You know, I reckon the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, it's kind of a bit gimmicky. Now it really has a home in the top echelon of what is great to watch in golf. And, you know, purists will probably hate it. But, my God, when you've got the best players assembled and they're playing for the most money and they come to this little hole and they don't play <laughs> it from the backs. You know, the people who set up the golf course, they don't push it all the no. way back to 137 yards or whatever it is. It's moved a long way forward. It's a wedge. It's a wedge. It's a wedge. Yeah. And if it's into the wind, you know, it's a strong wedge. And, and, and the longest players are hitting yeah. that wedge. That's it. And it, it, it's, yeah. it's fair. To me, it's absolutely fair. You've got four wedges, Find one that works and knock it on that green and walk away with all the cash. And by the way, did you see some of the cash that was handed out this week
1: just while we're on it? No, oh, I certainly did. Oh, it was uh, insane. I mean, what was it, $4.5 for the winner? Scheffler,
2: $4.5 million. Dollars. Just his caddy, by the way, and I saw this stat during the week, makes 450000 US dollars. <laughs> if, if you just have a look at the wins, I think his caddy has made... Creeping up to $2 million in the last 13 months. Scotty Scheffler's caddy. So an enormous amount of money. Uh, Hatton, $2.7 million for second. $2.7 million US for second place. Then you go down to Victor Hovland, 1.4. What a round 4. he had, by the way. Oh, yeah, incredible. That, we, to birdie the last five holes in a row, to shoot 29 on the back nine, to, to sneak no. in the second.
1: Ridiculous. Did you see that shot on 18? his second out of the pine straw. it was unbelievable. <laughs> it, it was. Unbelievable.
2: And he knew it was good the second he hit it too. The cocky little walk going. Yeah. He gets up there. He's an angry little ant, but <laughs> he's quite lovable at the same time somehow. And then you get down to our guys tied for sixth. Minwoo Lee, $736,000. And that's uh, with Cam Davis as well. So creeping up on, what's the Australian peso at the moment, Dan? It's about uh, 66 cents or something. So it's creeping up. It's creeping up to like a, 1.1, 1.2 million Australian dollars for
0: coming tied sixth. The caddy's got you know, made two million bucks. That'd be more than almost every pro golfer, correct?
2: Yep, I think I think to keep your card at about 100, which is about 120th, it's right around the million dollar mark. In prize money.
1: He might be making the first FedEx Cup amount. You know, of any, you know it's, it's like 70 or something like that. <laughs> Which is uh,
2: incredible. Let's quickly talk about the Australians while we can. Minwoo, an amazing performance. Uh, we saw the stat during the week that he shot 66 in the last round of the Honda. If he shoots 67, he doesn't get to number 50 in the world rankings and doesn't get the play. So that 66 in the end has made him a lot of money. Um, And the way he handled himself and the way he's been playing lately too, I saw a great tweet and I, I put it on our WhatsApp. His international starts just of late. He's done very, very well. I mean, he's really starting to be a very good player. And, you know, most kids who are 21 years old, 22 years old, they're still in college in America They're still playing in Hawaii in the collegiate circuit. This kid is playing at this level already, and he's, what, 22? I think Dan just told me he's 24 years old. Most kids at 24 years old, I mean, they're battling away on the Asian tour or they're still in college golf for what he is doing at the moment, the way he's playing, and even the way he handled himself after making a couple of sevens, I I just thought that was brilliant. And the birdie 16 and 17 uh, in that situation, you know, just just to get something out of the round. So he walks off that last hole, even though he bogeyed 18. He walks off 18 with probably some positive thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, the way he just handled himself after the double on 11, I thought Mm. the last seven holes, what did he play in One under, I think, Mm. or or around level par. But, yeah, he birdied uh, 16, birdied 17, bogeyed the last, unfortunately. He needed a top four or better, I think, to get him full membership yes. on the PGA Tour, but right. he's he's still going to get starts coming up. Obviously, the top 10 gets him into the Valspar, which is at Innisbrook uh, this coming week, so that'll get him in there. He'll be in the match play because he's top 64 in the world, so there's plenty of opportunities for him to still get his uh, his PGA Tour membership, which is fine, but the way he handled it down the stretch was, was very impressive, and I think that comes from... You know, a lot of the things we do here in Australia with our young players, Golf Australia has these high performance programs and he's obviously come through that and done a wonderful job there. Cameron Davis, another one, uh, Cameron Smith, you name it, all these guys that... Have the grounding from an early age, and the programs we have here are phenomenal. And I mean, I wish I was in it in those days, mm. but uh, it just wasn't meant to be for me because I came through at an earlier time. But they
2: didn't let four handicapped kids get into those uh, top
1: uh, things <laughs> golf, uh, golf Australia. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that, you're probably right, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but even you know having access to everything now. <laughs>
2: just a word on Cam Davis. At one stage, he was third by himself, and, and going along beautifully. I mean, he's got Andrew Shuden catting uh, for it who I saw. saw. I went to school with Andrew in at Blackburn Tech a million years ago. Uh, so it's funny seeing him still going, getting around catting, which is fantastic, but just uh, just give us a few words on Cam Davis. I, th- I thought even though he finished tied sixth, he's tracking in the right way, uh, a bit like um, Jason Day, who didn't finish top 10, but finished top 20, and look out for Jason. He's starting to really move in the right direction, but Cam Davis for us?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Cam's obviously just progressed really well. He won that Australian Open several years ago at, uh, at the Australian Golf club, I think from memory, and um, you know, then won on the Corn Ferry Tour, and then graduated the PGA PGA Tour, where he won. Uh, where did he win? I think he won the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit, and then he had uh, the Presidents Cup, which is fantastic. So he's mm-hmm. trending and progressing in the right direction. But then all of a sudden, he had a bit of a strange start to the year. He missed five cuts in a row, which is very unlike him. But he has he has the game perfectly suited to America. I mean, they were showing the statistics about. The apex of his ball flight is the highest among any mm. of the players on the PGA Tour. So, and that's what you need in the US. And it's only a matter of time until he was going to put a good result together. But I tell you, unfortunately, 17 cost him like a lot of others. He made yep. double bogey there, and he ended up what, finishing in a tied for six. There were actually three holes in one throughout throughout the week. And and the the best one for me was Aaron Rye on Saturday. He's yeah. a he's an Englishman plays on the PGA Tour. Have you seen him by the way? He's yeah, got two, two black gloves. gloves on.
2: Yeah, unusual.
1: He also has iron covers on his irons. You ne- oh, have you ever seen that on a he's professional He's not going to be in a, a group
2: of mine anytime soon with two gloves and iron, iron covers. There's just no way.
1: I wonder, I wonder if he's got a scorecard holder <laughs> yes. and, a, uh, and a groove cleaner as well. Never he's know. got the umbrella holder. <laughs> he's got it
2: all. <laughs> hey, um, uh, yeah, uh, look, if, but, if you didn't hear us properly at the start, uh, I'm at Box Hill Golf Club this week. Nick's at Cathedral. Uh, so it's the first time we're doing it remotely and uh, hopefully you're still enjoying what we're saying. Now, Nick... Uh, we know Jack Nicholas, we know Arnold Palmer, we know Gary Player, we know all the older players are talking about rolling the ball back. Well, there's been some news. There is some news, mm. and it's been it's been ticking along for a while. The USGA and the RNA, they're basically the ones who have got to make this decision. And I did see a little note uh, from the Golf Digest magazine here in Australia. Uh, they're reporting it. Now everybody is reporting it right around the world. It's going to be interesting to see how they work, because what they're talking about doing is just having a ball for elite competition. Now that'll be professional golf tournaments, and it'll be the highest level Amateur golf tournaments as well. Uh, Once upon a time, they used to do the ball measuring at 104 miles per hour club head speed. That got moved to 120. And what they do is the ball can't fly a certain distance when the ball is hit at 120 miles per hour with the machine, with Iron iron Byron. They're going to move that up. And they're going to keep the distance the same. So I think it's 320 yards. But they're going to move the club speed up to 120 yards seven or 128 it's one of those and the mm-hmm. ball yep. is not allowed to go now i i, I know this just from my all old, the days at, at another uh, when i used to play tailor made stuff so when the pro v1 um, x and the pro v the pro v1 x and the pro v1 that's Titleist version tailor made have got the tp5 and the tp5x when dustin johnson hit both balls on the track man it was 12 yards difference and that is just because one ball spins and one ball does not spin his club head speed's up around 122 miles per hour. That's it. That's, that's where he's at when he when he, when he tries to send one. Yep. For most players, we're back at 104 if we're lucky, for for us, yeah, who or are 100. finished, or 100, that's right. <laughs> uh, I think the tour average, I think it's still at 112 or 114. That's the tour average club head speed with the driver. Now, I don't know about you, Nick, but when I hit the Pro V1 or the Pro V1X through the air, I can't tell the difference. I can tell the difference when I chip around the greens but I cannot tell the difference, the way the ball flies. And I'm being told that that's by design. It exponentially helps the really quick clubhead speeds. So I like what they're doing because I think it's – if they just make the ball spin again and, and, and all roads lead to this, if they're just going to make the ball spin again, it's going to do two things. It's going to slow the ball down, which is magnificent, but it's going to bring in the hook and the cut as well, and I reckon we're all on board. Exactly. For, I reckon we're all on board for that because at the moment, the, a, a Titleist Pro V One hit by somebody with one hundred and twenty-five miles an hour club speed—it's not a golf ball; it is a scud missile, <laughs> and it just does not stop.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you, and and I've been for bifurcating the rules for a little while. I mean, in my latest book, I wrote a bit about. It. Uh, two things that I think should happen is number one, make the ball spin more. I mean, it can still, for me, it can still go the same distance. I don't care as far as it, if it goes the same distance, but if you make this ball spin more, all of a sudden, it's going to go offline quicker. That's right. So that means, yes, if you want to go at it really hard, that's fine. And if you hit it flush, well, fantastic. But if you have a slight mishit or you don't quite catch it, it's going to go sideways on you. So that's number one. And then number two was is all to do with the size of the driver, really. I mean, they're up into the over the 400ccs or whatever they are these days. But if you roll that back to around 300 or under 300 then all of a sudden there's a premium on hitting the hmm. center of the club face again and the reason these young players can go at the ball so hard and and create these swing speeds now you were talking about the PGA tour average for around the 114 or whatever yep. but you know now, there's some scary statistics around the Corn Ferry Tour players who are the up-and-coming and the college players, and they are hitting the ball much, much further than yep. the PGA Tour players. And this is the next generation of players as well. So you've got to look at that. So I think if you limit the size of the driver head, make the ball spin a little more, all of a sudden there's a premium on… Solid contact, controlling the ball a bit more. And therefore, you don't have to, for example, lengthen the 13th hole at Augusta another 50 or 60 yards as they've been doing over I, the I years. I want to talk you to you can about that soon. Play it how it should be played. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different discussion points around the course architect and all that sort of thing in this regard but at least they're starting down the right path with okay let's talk about the ball maybe spinning more not quite going as far etc etc and i mean jack and arnie and those guys tiger even he's been talking about this for years so Mm. uh they're moving in the right direction which is something now it's still a little ways off um and look for the average golfer fine i mean no problem at all go ahead and hit it as far as you possibly can but that's where you just need almost pro pro rules and amateur rules or elite Rules as they're saying, and, and non elite or, or whatever. The same happens in baseball. I mean, you have the wooden bats for the pros, and everyone else they yep. can use aluminium. So it works in a lot of different sports.
2: There's a couple of little headaches just reading the articles that are coming out because if you want to qualify for a US Open, say, or if you want to qualify for the Australian Open, um, that's still handicap based. You know, you've got to be on plus two or something to, to, to enter. So so that's got to change because if we're playing against, if you're playing in the Wednesday comp, for instance, the Wednesday Stalford comp, and you're allowed to use whatever the hell you want, um, then you can get down to that plus two. So I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Um, I, th- I think they're just going to leave it, probably. They'll probably just leave it, but there are question marks like that that do make sense to me. For, I think it's just really easy. I think it's as easy as pie. If you're going to play in a professional event, use this new ball. If you're going to play in an amateur event where it's a scratch event um, and, and not the club championship, for instance, then you just use this new ball. And I think in the end, Nick, yeah. if I was an amateur coming up and I knew I was going to turn professional, then I, I don't use the Pro V1 Super Bowl. I, I use the pro ball that I'll be using when I turn pro. Yep. I, I think that's as simple as that. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that's just the way it's going to have to be moving forward. Because I, I think, I think the club, um, the club makers, Titleist and Callaway and Shrixen and all these guys, I think they're going to have a say. So if they're going to make two balls, let's make two balls. Let's get it over and done with, and let's bring some of these golf courses back. So like you say, you don't have to lengthen the, the 13th of Augusta by 50 yards.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the manufacturers will definitely have a say. Don't worry about that because they're the one that are uh, that are you know driving the dollars and cents in all this sort of thing. But the thing is, it's only really going to matter for people who have swing speeds of 115, 20 mile an hour anyway. For those, us who are at 100, 105, we're not really going to lose any distance, maybe a few yards, but not like 20 or 30, which the long hitters will, will eventually lose.
2: Okay, now, we've got to have a break. It's been a long nine. It's been a long, busy nine holes. (laughs) Uh, But I can tell you... We were grinding
1: for pars there.
2: we got some big feedback. we got some feedback uh, for the editor coming up next. Uh, Let's just go in and have a nice little sausage roll and a drink, and uh, I'll see you on the 10th take.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know,
1: that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick you spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course, but as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties mm. as well and plenty for both men and women. And if you're after a great prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're
2: looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online, golfclearanceoutlet.com.au.
0: It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty-putting now.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new, and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in
1: and where you need to improve. And this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world and it helps analyse and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds and highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at.
2: You get actionable and usable info in minutes not ours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine and start accessing data and subscriber only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper, but it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers, download it from the App Store and turn your bogeys in the birdies.
0: You're listening to the Talk Birdies Uni podcast with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. If you're enjoying the pod, share it with a friend and help spread the word.
2: Right, get your driver out and let's see if you can get some clubhead speed past 102, Nick, because uh, we've got a big second half of the program <laughs> on the way. Uh, I'm at the Box Hill Golf Club here in Melbourne. It's beautiful. You might be able to hear some birds. I saw a Rosella just flying past a second ago. And, of course, Nick O'Hearn is up at Cathedral. Where are you at? Yeah, Holiday House and Cathedral. You're actually at the golf course. Nick,
1: where mm-hmm. are you? Uh, we're about 10 minutes away at and We have a place up here which uh, we enjoy coming to. A lot of fun up here.
0: Is he drinking wine?
1: Yeah, he's
2: drinking wine on the job.
0: Come he's on. He's drinking
1: Nick. wine oh, yeah. on the job, Jeez. and that's okay. I have, absolutely. I I need a, I need a <laughs> refill, actually. What are you drinking, <laughs> by the way? What is it? Yeah, tell me. We just finished playing a little while ago and just got a nice uh, little Yarra Valley Chardonnay mm. going at the moment.
2: Yeah, my am guys. shardy You've got to
1: support the locals, right?
2: Yes, you do. That is correct. Uh, and hello to everybody at Yarra Valley. Uh, it's a beautiful drop you've got going. So we've got some feedback for the editor. <laughs> This one's off Twitter. Uh, Talk about it to me. The podcast helped, helped out here. Now, he's talking about Wade Ormsby getting the win last week, and quite a few people have said that, He's come on our program and he's gone on to win. So there's one. We're, that's our that's our first champion. Yes.
1: You, you know how. Uh, Mate, ping, maybe we're the good luck charm. Yeah,
2: you know how ping. Uh, you know what they do every time someone comes on their program who wins, they they put the gold putter in their in their vault. What we should do? Anyone who comes on our program who then goes on wins, then we're having some Yarra Valley Chardonnay during <laughs> the show. That should be our tradition from oh, now on. Oh, there you go. And that was from Wayne. 1965, bald and fat. 1965. <laughs> Good on you, Wayne. That's what he's got. Stephen Roach. Just a coincidence that this came after a great interview on Talk Birdie to Me. Good luck charm. Yeah, I think we might. Nice. Not- Good on you, Stephen Roach. That's another one um and this one's from apple the apple where you can leave your uh, feedback on apple podcasts great to have two local blokes talking about the great game of golf good to hear the stories from their time on the tours and also discussing the local tournaments. always great to hear about local up-and-comers uh love the stories about other pros and the master great hang on for today then uh it's a ripper today scotty um and would love to hear a little bit more about local courses yeah, we can start doing that a little later in the year. Keep up the good work. Good on you, Scotty. Thanks for that one. You got some there, Nick, or you want me to keep going?
1: Beautiful. No, I'll uh I'll keep going. You well, just drink your wine, all right? From, yeah. uh, Paul no, – no, no, no. You just hang on. You just take a break, mate, because this one's going to be about you, you see. So oh, this okay. is from Paul Marshall. Love the podcast. Long live talk birdie to me. And a couple of blokes and a couple of beers, Ooh. which is your other podcast going at the moment. Here we go. I've listened to Mark's media work over a long time and it is super inspirational, super helpful with his golf wisdom and is funny as. And he did just say right at the end, a little bit of a nice plug for me, Nick is brilliant too, but it's really all about you, (laughs) Mark, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I was
2: waiting waiting to see how you're going to get that in, but you did well. Rory, The hammer. (laughs) Uh, what's this now? Now, why why isn't the bloke on the right wearing the name tag too? Now, this was in regards to your picture with Clint Eastwood last week. Why didn't Clint have yes, a name tag? Yes. He, he doesn't need a name tag. He's the last bloke. Well, in the I don't whole think world. Clint
1: Eastwood. I think uh, he, he certainly doesn't need one. And um, yeah, if you if you upset Clint, well he'll uh, say, well. Poor. What's his catchphrase in there? Is it, uh, Well, do you punk or something yeah. like that, so. <laughs> You feel unlucky, punk. Whatever it was. <laughs>
2: uh, and this one's from Bahama Golf Pro. Talk We'd love to see Paige on your pod- page, Spranovic. She's all over the country at the moment. Uh, Bahama Golf Pro, uh, yes, it would be wonderful, but uh, she's very expensive, I'm told. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we won't be able to get her on the podcast, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> We're doing the top five, Nikki. It's my turn as well. So, last week, it's your
1: rules one, isn't it? Yeah, go go for it. I'm very curious about this.
2: So, this is the worst rules in golf history. Okay, so a lot of rules have been changed, but I'm going to go, I've already gone back in history and checked them out. And number five on my list was the old stymie rule. What an absolute joke that you couldn't mark your ball. And somebody who was right—if your ball—if your opponent's ball was in the way, they had to go go around your ball, or they had to jump the ball with a nine or something. Absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but th- this is before our time, though. I would imagine I've never had to play it. I actually would have enjoyed playing match play that way. That would have been a bit of fun.
2: Would you have beaten Tiger a couple of times if? Uh, can you?
1: Move? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, probably no probably would have been him three times. Might have even, I might have even won by more. <laughs> 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 Number
2: four. <laughs> Who was the guy who said we should drop the ball over our shoulder? I wouldn't mind slapping that bloke around. I mean, yeah, seriously. What, are you, what are you, I mean, I, I can remember when I first started playing golf, I had to drop the ball over my shoulder. I hit my heel every once in a while. We're <laughs> skidding away. It's a stupid rule. <laughs> All right. Now, this one, I, yep. I was close to putting this at number one, but I've resisted. Local rule here, a local rule, and many clubs do it, breaks in bunkers. Complete. Can we just get some kind of a movement going around the world where you do not leave the rake in the bunker? There is nothing worse than someone rakes it. They've walked out the wrong way. They've put the rake all the way up the face of the bunker. You're the next group to play, and your ball rests against that, and you've got to move the rake and then put the ball back somehow. <laughs> a disgrace
1: no I I agree with you on that one the other thing is when you rake the bunker a lot of people just throw the rake back in and all of a sudden it leaves a bigger mark than what they first had in there so yep totally agree just
2: get the rakes out of the bunkers please number two this is inspired by your wife uh, Nick Mud balls, and I mean okay. that in the nicest possible way. Oh, So we're talking about when you get some mud on your <laughs> golf ball. When you get some mud on the golf ball, like, hello, Alana, that sounded bad, but it, was,
0: it wasn't meant to be.
2: When you're playing golf and there's mud on the golf ball, you should be allowed to wipe that off because that is like playing lawn balls. The bias on the ball actually on, throws in it off fairway, a million though, right? miles. Only in the fairway, I'm with you. But if there is mud on the ball, And and it's a big chunk of mud. You should be able to take that off. It should be a local... And by the way, clubs, committees, you can make it a local
1: rule if you like. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, how much is enough, right? It's, it's like I'm not sure what number your number one is, but I, I, I don't know if it's the divot rule. No, you it's know, not. If you go in a divot on a fairway, a lot of people complain about that. But what constitutes a divot? Is it a slight depression? Yes, is it an old right. divot, a new divot? I mean, it's the same with mud. So yeah. I'm not sure about that one. But, uh, yeah, I wish I'd have had the rule today because it would have helped me.
2: And my number one, and you're, and you're right, It's it's not the ball in a divot. I mean, thankfully – Hopefully that rule will never be changed because you've got to learn how to hit a golf ball out of a divot if you want to call yourself a golfer. But my number one rule that is was completely stupid because it's been changed. Once upon a time, you could put your putter down behind a golf ball on a putting green, and if that ball moved, even if you didn't touch it, you were deemed to have made it move, and it was a one-shot penalty if you moved it back and a two-shot penalty if you did not, and that was the stupidest rule in golf, and thankfully it has been changed. Well, it's only been changed in like the last five years, isn't it?
1: Only two years yeah. ago, maybe. I, I don't yeah. know how recent it was, but no, I, I totally agree with you on that one. That, that's a good one. What, what do you? How do you feel about patting down spike marks and all that now?
2: <sighs> yeah, I don't mind them, actually. Well, we, well, no one's wearing metal spikes anymore, so I'm very happy that you could tap oh, down the spike marks.
1: Oh, yeah, on the PGA Tour. Yeah, on PGA Tour, yeah. So those guys are
2: happy. So are you allowed to wear spikes? I'll give you a few tours, Nick, because you'll know this. So, Tick, you are allowed to wear metal spikes on the PGA Tour. DP World Tour, are you allowed to wear spikes? Yep. Australasian Tour?
1: I assume so. I
2: don't think you are. I don't know. I don't think... I mean, really? Okay. When Tiger comes down, does he wear spikes?
1: No, nah, he's not a spikes guy anymore. Yeah, well, he's still wearing the foot joys rather than the Nikes, remember? Yeah, that's right. That's right.
2: That's right. So that's my top five. If I have missed any rules that are so stupid in this game that you want to change them, just get in contact with us on our socials and there's a half a chance we're going to read them out in our uh, tweets to the editor next week or the Facebook to the editor, whatever you want to call it, we'll read them out. <laughs> Now, Nick, uh, you got some results for us from around the world. I know you mentioned one before that we need to talk about.
1: Yes, absolutely. Obviously, we're uh, Wade Ormsby's Good Luck Charm after we did that little special bonus podcast with him. He went on uh, the 42 year old one, the international series in Thailand, which is part of the Asian tour. Now, he's obviously dying to get back on live, and this was a big step in the right direction. Closed with a final round 65, and then went into a playoff with, uh, you're going to have to bear with me on this name, Chalmers. Did Chun Bong Dam. That's him. That was a tough one. That one, yeah. But th- anyway, fourth Asian win, fourth Asian tour win. Uh, he won the last one was twenty twenty Hong Kong Open. Fantastic. And he just, I was talking about Grand Field there uh, earlier. He's Wade's new coach, and he's been working mm-hmm. with him and doing some really good stuff. So uh, also there, Zach Murray, who had a share of the lead going into the final round. He fa- he still shot one under seventy two, but he finished tied for twelve. So that was the. Asian tour, and then more locally as part of the Australasian tour, Louis Dobler, another Grant Field mm. protege, uh, got his first professional win. Fantastic for Louis. 21-year-old, he out the local New Zealander Sung Jin Yao. Uh, Louis had his dad on the bag, Vince, at the New Zealand PGA at Gulf Harbour. Now, get this. He played his first 52 holes bogey-free. You're joking. I mean, that is nice. unbelievable. Almost Almost went three rounds bogey free. Uh, The other mover in this one was Michael Hendry shot a nine under par 63 in the final round. And the reason I sort of mentioned Michael, he had a nice top 10 finish there, was because of the order of merit Um, on the Australasian tour. Micheluzzi, still number one. Brendan Jones, number two and if we take out let's see if we take out smith then you've got martin next and, hmm. yeah andrew martin then tom powerhorn and michael hendry after that so it's hotting up those final you know three to well, the top three places not that that already don't have the dp world tour card that's the guys that you got to look out for so uh, you i mean you know you could probably say he's wrapped it up as far as having one of those three brendan jones You asked last week Mm. about whether he would take up a DP World Tour card, but I did hear from a friend of mine who uh, helps out Brendan in a way um, in regards to he's looking for the top spot because if you get that number one spot on the Australasian Order of Merit, that gets you into the British Open. So that's what BJ is really trying to knuckle down on. And uh, he's got to make a decision. He'll have to play the last two events, which will be, what do we got? New South Wales Open this week.
2: And then the National. And
1: then the final event down at the National, yeah, which we'll be uh, doing the commentary for. So that'll be a lot of fun. Great uh, stuff. So hey? and I oh, I gotta mention this, by the way. You're I've going. got to mention one more thing. This New South Wales Open this week at Rich River, they had the qualifier, nineteen year old amateur Ethan Harvey shot an eleven under sixty-one. Uh, How to good's qualify. that to get into the New South Wales
2: Open. <laughs> I love
1: that. If you shot six under, you missed out. Sorry. Oh you've God. got to shoot seven under or better. Unbelievable.
2: Uh, yeah, there are some Crazy. hot golfers in this country at the moment. That is for sure. It's time for the masterclass. Oh Rightio, uh, I didn't think after uh, sort of half criticising his golf swing that I'd be making my masterclass <laughs> so, so quickly about Scotty Scheffler's golf swing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start this a different way, though, because when I turned pro in 1990, Roger Davis was the best golfer on our tour, and the best young golfer coming through was a guy called Todd Power. And I loved Todd Power. I loved him. He used to win tournaments in Canada. He was winning tournaments all over the place. And he was a bit of a mover and a groover. And I just liked the way that he got about town. One day I asked him, you know, after a tournament, I said, what are you thinking about? Because I used to stand behind Todd Power and just watch him hit ball after ball after ball because it was just hypnotic watching Todd Power hit golf balls. I said, what do you do? He goes, it's pretty simple. He said, on my backswing, I try and make my left arm go across my chest and on my follow through I make my right arm go across my chest and that's all Todd Power had been thinking about since he was a junior golfer so I always remembered it and it never seemed to work for me I tried it a couple of times it didn't work but now when I watch Scotty Scheffler hit the ball and follow through Scotty Scheffler does the same sort of stuff the right arm goes right across the chest and it's a different way of releasing the club face and squaring up the club face. It's a beautiful thing it does. I think it does two things. It gets your arms moving past your body earlier than you normally would, getting those arms right in front of the body because you're trying to get in position to get that right arm to go across your chest. But also, it stops you rolling over. It stops the club head really rolling through impact. And that's why you can keep the ball, keep his club heads, excuse me, really, really square through impact and it stays square. And I think it's because he keeps that right arm across his chest. So if you are a roller of the club face, give it a try. I mean, it's not going to work straight away, but put it on video and see if it works because quite often, you know, it'll look right on the video, but it won't feel right. And I'm always trusting what it looks like on the video. Don't know about you, Nick, but that's that's, that's always been my thoughts when you're trying to fiddle around with your swing.
1: Yeah, love it. Sounds good. And I look forward to seeing that on the uh, on the socials, on the, uh, on the video.
2: Righto. Uh, it was a bit of an experiment this week with you up at cathedral and me at Box Hill it's a beautiful place and you know the the Box Hill Golf Club we've got the Pro-Am coming up too soon on the 23rd of March so make sure you come down I'm going to shoot about 65 in the morning and then host in the afternoon (laughs) Nick I'm going to see you at uh, Australian Golf Headquarters next week catch you then look forward to it
0: mate cheers and you can subscribe to the Talk Birdie to Me podcast wherever you get your podcasts and you'll never miss an episode Oh, and if you rate it and leave a review, that'd be really helpful. We'd appreciate it. Different show this week. Nick from Cathedral and Mark from the fourth hole at Box Hill Golf Course in Melbourne. But next week, we're back at Australian Golf Headquarters, the home of the PGA and Golf Australia. Talk Birdie to me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Have a look at him, Dan.
2: He looks like he's had two bottles of that Chardonnay. Have a look. Oh, look at him.
0: On, he's knocked around. better and better. i got to go cook oh, a barbecue hey, he's now. Topped that, he has topped <laughs> that up massively. That is the biggest glass of wine filled up I've ever seen. I wonder if
2: anyone will pick that he's been drinking through the show. I'm not sure they will. He was pretty good at it.
0: Oh, I reckon, you reckon Alana's actually sort of off somewhere, <laughs> yeah. uh, sinking another bottle of wine somewhere? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, she's, she's, been, she's too. over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is too.
1: Oh, she's been listening the whole time. She she was trying not to piss herself with the mud balls. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your
0: travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.